Hi guys, this is Jake Parker. Welcome back to another episode of the Beyond Fit podcast, where it's my job to help you apply knowledge that is both scientific and practical into your own life to maximize your physique development and your overall body, as well as your mind. The combination of these two things is what makes you Beyond Fit. All right, guys, welcome back to the Beyond Fit podcast. I'm your host, Jake Parker. This is episode 171, and today I'm giving you the Mindset Toolkit. And specifically, this is the Mindset Toolkit for transforming your body. But I really think that all the things I'm going to say apply to anywhere where you want to improve your mindset, whether it be in your educational ventures, in your job, in your relationships, A lot of these lessons can be applied to anything in life. And that's why I always say that I love bodybuilding and building the body and becoming healthy because all of these lessons that you learn in getting to a spot that's healthy for you or a spot that's desirable and how you look for you, all of the lessons that you learn and getting there, you can apply and take with you to improve in other areas of life. And so that's just the coolest thing to me about getting to coach people and about getting to educate people is that I know that I'm not only helping you physically, I'm helping you in all areas, mentally, emotionally, it reaches into and dips into every part of your life. uh, When you when you have your health optimized, and you look and feel good. So I'm going to touch on a few of my own personal experiences here, a few anecdotes, and just mainly things that I've landed on that have really worked for me over the years to feel good about myself, feel good about my body, feel good about continuing to take leaps forward, but also finding some sense of tranquility and happiness with where I'm at and a overall sense of what is possible using objectivity and just a centered focus on results, a mix of spiritual and pragmatic practices. And all this stuff I think is going to be useful and applicable to your own life. So without further ado, the first thing I want to talk about here is using objectivity in your fitness journey. So one of the quotes that I really like is by Albert Einstein, where he says, insanity is doing the same thing over and over again and expecting different results. And the reason I really like this quote is because it definitely reminds me of me when I spent, you know, almost a decade spinning my wheels in terms of trying to get the body that I wanted. I thought I was doing everything right. I was doing everything I thought that I was supposed to be doing, but it was just never working out like I planned it to. I would eat a lot and bulk and gain weight. And I didn't really know necessarily what a bulk was supposed to mean. I just ate a lot of food, uh, food that I thought was protein rich. Nothing had a definition or an objective stamp on it. Um, The same way I would cut, I would just try to eat less carbs. I would try to eat less bad foods, dirty foods, alcohol, stuff like that. Not understanding things that I preach now, caloric balance, um, progressive overload. If you want to change and grow your body in terms of muscle, Um, eating in a calorie deficit or a surplus to lose weight or gain weight, respectively, all that kind of stuff I didn't understand. And that's the sort of objective information that I try to portray to you guys here on the podcast or my Instagram with clients, because you need to have this objective information, even though it's not the end of the story, it's still tough to figure out how to apply it. Knowing exactly what works and why is really powerful. And I think for the longest time, I just ignored that I wasn't getting the results I wanted. And I just kind of blamed it on, 
oh, well, you know, I didn't, I don't have the right genetics. I don't have as good genetics as other guys I see at the gym that, you know, I work out as much as them. And I think I eat well, which was definitely not true, but it was just, oh, you know, poor me. And it was kind of this victim mentality. And so I think in order to truly look at things objectively, you have to first recognize that you may have this victim mentality. If you're always confirming your negative thoughts, oh, poor me, you know, I am uniquely disadvantaged with my genetics or blah, blah, blah. That's my specific specific example, but it really can can be about anything in your life that you just feel uniquely disprivileged and you feel like, oh, you know, this is just the shittiest thing that's happening specifically to me. Uh, I'm going to go into a little bit of spiritual grounding in the next point, but I really just want to emphasize you have to focus on objectively what's working. So here, it's really important to do a few things. And that is number one, if you can get some sort of an objective measure like a body fat and muscle mass reader, like at your gym or whatever, uh, an in-body DEXA scan machine. That's really helpful because you can see if what you're doing is working or not. Uh, as far as are you really hitting your goals? Are you really gaining muscle? Are you really losing fat? But since not everybody has access to something like that, I encourage most people to take pictures very frequently uh, up to once a month, take progress pictures. I've always done that. And I can always say that it seems a little bit silly sometimes, but months and years down the road, you're really glad that you have those because it helps you realize the small differences and the nuances in your body that you, that you are able to change over time. So I think progress pictures are really huge. I always make my clients take progress pictures so we can see exactly what's happening with their body. Taking your weight on a scale is not always the most objective metric because a lot of things can affect weight other than just muscle gain or fat loss. But if you are doing weight, make sure you either A, weigh yourself once a week at the same exact time every week, or B, if you weigh yourself every day, make sure you take an average of that at the end of the week. Both of those ways I, I think are fine to weigh yourself and make sure that you're weighing, weighing yourself in tandem with taking those progress pictures, because you want to make sure that on a whole, uh, if you're gaining weight, you are gaining muscle more, the, more or less. And if you're losing weight, you're losing fat more or less. If it seems like the scale is going down, but your muscle mass is really decreasing fastly, you have to look at a few things like, am I properly implementing a resistance program that, excuse me, a resistance training program that's implementing progressive overload? Am I eating enough protein, which is usually, I say, 0.6 to 1 gram of protein per pound of body weight. There's a couple other things too. Um, but if you see that you're gaining weight and you're like, this is good, but then you look at your progress pictures and it seems like you're mostly just gaining fat. Then again, you have to look at, are you progressing? Uh, is your calorie surplus much too large? Are you not burning as many calories as you think? So you're eating over, you know, this expenditure, this supposed expenditure that you think is how much you're burning in a day is not accurate. These are all things that can come into play when it comes to using objectivity in assessing yourself. But I think that those are all a good way to go. Um, as far as being obsessed with body image, I definitely think that I've been there before. And I don't think that a focus on your physique and enjoying when you look good and your body looks lean and toned and fit is bad. If you're proud of that and you like the way you look, when you're in your best shape and you strive to maintain that, there's nothing wrong with that. But also you can definitely take it too far where it becomes an obsession and you become very neurotic about not missing workouts and 
uh, eating the wrong thing at your meals and et cetera, et cetera. So if this is you, if you feel like maybe you are starting to land on the far end of maybe body dysmorphia or just any sort of over obsession with how your body looks, then something that's worked for me in the past is really just focusing for a while on a specific performance goal. So usually that can take the form of like some new PR in the gym. I want to hit a 300 pound squat for the first time. I want to hit a 400 pound deadlift for the first time, you know, something that you're focused on specifically one performance goal. And you're not thinking so much about what does my body look like obsessing over your calories and macros and um, hitting every single workout. You're just like, no, okay, I'm, I'm, I'm focusing all my efforts on this one goal. And then I'll kind of reassess and see where I'm at. And oftentimes, if you haven't taken that time to track less strictly and give yourself a little bit of psychological wiggle room, you're going to see positive results in how you look in the mirror, because your body kind of gets a chance to rebound from all this very, very strict programming that you've had yourself on and you get to be a little bit more intuitive with things and you exercise a different capacity that your body has and that your mind has. And oftentimes it's a really positive result, but I think in the end, it's a positive result either way, whether you see a positive or negative change in your body, because you are exercising a different ability to get outside of yourself and to not look at your fitness goals as what your body looks like being the end all be all. Um, something else I didn't quite mention yet, but that I think is helpful in this realm is that I always like to tell people that correlation doesn't always equal causation. And that's important to note in terms of looking at what other people look like. So if someone says, you know, I'm on the keto diet and I've been doing that for X amount of months and you look at them and they look great. Or someone says, I'm on, you know, this specific workout program and this is what you do, blah, blah, blah. And I look like this. That's great, but you have to understand that when I say correlation doesn't equal causation, just because someone does one specific thing doesn't mean that's the reason why they look the way they do. The best example of this is correlation and causation in terms of diets. People tend to correlate this diet made me lose fat and lose weight. So whether it be intermittent fasting, keto, paleo, all of these diets I've said before are going to put someone in a calorie deficit which is going to force them to lose weight. And luckily, a lot of these diets also are going to have a focus on a high protein diet, which helps with retention and gaining muscle mass. So that's good, but you can't attribute the results someone gets to the plan that they're on or the diet that they're on, because there's a lot of things that go into results. And just because someone does one specific thing in their training or diet does not mean that that is the underlying cause. You have to dig deeper. So for example, we'll go to like a program that makes someone gain X amount of muscle, 10 pounds of muscle. Well, that program might look a little bit different than something you've done before or seen before, but I guarantee you at the end of the day, in some way they progressed and they got stronger in specific lifting movements because in order to progressively overload, you have to either gain in weight, gain in reps, improve in your range of motion or your mind muscle connection or decrease rest, improve in some performance aspect. That's what it takes to progressively overload and add muscle to your body. So you know that just like when someone's in a diet, they're in a calorie deficit, if they're losing weight, uh, if someone's on a specific program, it's not necessarily the program. It's that that program does a good job of implementing progressive overload over time in order to help someone gain muscle. So when it comes to, like I said, looking at other people and what other people are doing, another important note here on objectivity, you can't spend too much time online on Instagram, obsessing over what other people look like, because A, 
when someone posts a picture on Instagram, it's probably the most favorable lighting, uh, filters, you know, shadows, angle, all that kind of stuff. They've put lots of time and effort into that. I know whenever I post a picture of myself online, I take all that stuff into account. And then secondly, if someone posts a picture that's really shredded, chances are they, there was a time that they dieted down and got to a low body fat when they probably didn't really feel their best. And it takes a long time to get here. And like I said, you don't feel very good when you're at this really low percentage of body fat, but they took a lot of pictures because it looks really cool. And then they post those online, which I don't think is necessarily a bad thing, but you just have to understand and put those glasses on and say, oh, okay, this is not what this person walks around looking like. So trying to compare yourself to what people look like online on Instagram is not helpful, nor is it even a valid representation of them compared to you. I think that one of the interesting things about social media and one of the reasons it can be so harmful is that people post their highlights on social media while all day long we have to walk around dealing with our blooper rolls and our mistakes and our negative thoughts. And that's okay because we all have those things. And I'm not saying that people posting these highlights on Instagram are nefarious or wanting to make you feel bad, but it's important to note that you have to put those glasses on and understand this is not hundred percent valid representation of real life, what I'm seeing online. And so I can't necessarily judge myself or my actions or my body based on what someone is saying or posting or looking like online. Another couple of good examples here when it comes to genetics and when it comes to setting appropriate goals for yourself. So say you're someone who your biggest goal has always been to have a six pack. Well, think about this, Arnold Schwarzenegger, probably the most famous bodybuilder of all time, never had a full six pack because his genetics were such that he more so just had a four pack when he was completely cut up and shredded. He could have done all the ab exercises in the world and got down to you know the lowest body fat percentage humanly possible and you still wouldn't have seen a six pack. And that's because all of our bodies are built differently. So this is another reason when you're looking at people online or looking at other people in the gym or whatever, that you have to be careful not to say, I want to look exactly like that person. So I'm going to do what they're doing. Or my goal is that I'll, you know, I'll stop this fat loss diet when I look exactly like this person, because we all, like I've said before, we all wear our body fats different. We all put on muscle in different places and we all have different body compositions for certain reasons. We have different levers on our body as far as long torso, long legs, short legs, short arms, et cetera, et cetera. For some people, it's easier to put on muscle. For some people like me, we're more hard gainers. And so we have to go about putting on muscle in a different way. I always say that genetics are an excuse because obviously you can't change your genetics. So you should do the most with whatever you're given, but it does help a little bit to be objective and be sure about what is my genetic potential? How am I kind of genetically predisposed? Am I predisposed to carry a little bit more fat around? Am I predisposed to put on muscle easily? And what are the implications of all these things? Again, don't give yourself an excuse, but like an example is for me, since I would consider myself a pretty typical hard gainer, it's taken a lot of years to put on the amount of muscle that I have. I'm spending about a year in a prolonged, very small calorie surplus in order to bulk and put on more muscle. Whereas someone else who has a more favorable physique might be able to put on more muscle than me in a three to six month period, but that's okay because I know that I'm working with what I'm given and I'm aware of my body. And especially because I've been training for so long, the good thing that comes along with many years of training is that you get a lot more sure on what your body needs and what exactly is best for your body. People talk about high intensity versus high volume and stuff like that. 
And over time, you can try these different variables that are very small variables, but can make a difference over time. And you can find out exactly what works best for your body and for your lifestyle schedule, stuff like that. Um, another thing I'll say here about genetics is that I talk a lot about bodybuilding because I think it's probably the quickest way bodybuilding and doing bodybuilding specific type training to get the body you want and look the way you want and also really be able to take control of your health and have a healthy body as well. Uh, but when it comes to professional bodybuilders, you really have to be completely elite genetically in order to compete at that level. So something that's always interesting when I talk to people about genetics is I go, go and look at someone like Ronnie Coleman in high school. You can probably Google right now, Ronnie Coleman high school, who's one of the most famous bodybuilders of all time. And you can see that he was already gigantic and big and strong when he was just, you know, 15 or 16 years old when he was in high school before he was on any steroids or anything like that, because you, these guys have such a genetic predisposition to building muscle that of course they put in incredible amounts of work and have incredible amounts of discipline. And it takes years and years of hard work to get to where they're at. But you have to look again at that correlation causation. And it doesn't just mean that if you did the same thing, if you were on steroids or whatever, if you had dietitians to help you with, you know, telling you what to eat and you had the best trainers in the world, even if you had all that stuff, you still couldn't get the level that some of these guys are at because they're starting so much uh, more heavily advantaged than you are. So uh, that's some notes on objectivity. The next thing I have here is you need some spiritual grounding. So for me, I think that whoever you are, whether you are a Christian or any sort of different religion, or if you're not religious, I think that everyone needs a little bit of a spiritual grounding, whether it be going to church and praying or meditating, getting in touch with yourself. I really enjoy my yoga practice. Uh, maybe for you, it's reading a great philosophy or something like that or just getting outside, getting into nature. I think that everyone needs to connect to something higher in order to remain balanced emotionally. It's really important to remain balanced emotionally when you're going through the ups and downs of trying to look at your body and seeing things you can change over time and trying to optimize things because well, that's useful and while it's fun to keep setting little small goals for yourself time after time, it can really be something that wears you down emotionally if you let it. Uh, again, like I talked about, if you're someone who has become over obsessed with body image that can really start to trickle into other parts of your life and make you emotionally and mentally distressed. Uh, so for me, uh, a few examples of my spiritual practice, I do go to church sometimes a Christian church, I don't feel overly attached to any one certain religion, but I like that where I live. And in the time period that I'm in, it's very easy to go to a church and be connected to other people who are focused on living morally and ethically and are focused on a higher power. To me, I guess it's just not as important what sort of a God you're worshiping. Of course, that is not how the typical Christian who attends church feels, um, but that's kind of how I've landed on things over the years. I think that your spiritual beliefs are constantly changing, and there's something that you definitely should question and take a lot of time to think about and really marinate on. Um, but for me, I think that anyone could benefit from having a group where you can go and they're focused on living ethically and morally. They do things like volunteering, of course, like churches do. And there's just a bunch of other positive people that you can go and hear a positive message with. So that's why I go to church. But in my spare time, I also do a lot of reading into Buddhism, which has to do a lot with my yoga and meditation practice that I do every single week. Um, but Buddhism to me 
is really just the practice of, if I had to explain very succinctly what it is, is it's just the practice of desiring less in terms of desiring for less negative experiences to go away, but also desiring for less positive experiences to come to you. So it's just, that's basically what Zen is. Zen, when you talk about someone being Zen, it's just a very go with the flow. You are not wishing things go away because that's distressful. And you're not wishing that good things happen because that's distressful too. You're just taking things as they are. And I'm definitely no expert in this. I, I definitely struggle with this still every day, but because I've worked on meditating and doing yoga for so long, I definitely do feel like I'm getting better at this. And if you want a little bit of bonus for something that I would recommend to people, it's uh, to look into stoicism as well as Buddhism to help you with your mental clarity because they really complement each other well. And stoicism for me is if, again, if I just had to describe what it is very succinctly, it's the art of worrying about what's under your control. If you want a good resource, I would encourage you to go check out Ryan Holiday. Just Google that name. He's got a lot of good books out, a really good website and uh, book. And his company is called The Daily Stoic. But stoicism basically, like I said, is a practice of worrying about what's under your control. And so this takes on a lot of different forms. But I think when you pair the Buddhist limiting suffering with the stoicism nature of worrying about what you control, it's a very powerful way to look at the world. And it gives you a lot of autonomy and it gives you a lot of, uh, I guess, just a really solid grounding from which to make decisions in which to see things. So for me, those three things are the basis, the, that church going and that stoicism and Buddhism practice and studying are the basis of what keeps me spiritually grounded. But on top of that, I think some other things that have to do with your spiritual nature are just being true to yourself and true to others. And especially with your word, when I say that I'm going to do something, I'll go on to goal setting here in a minute. But when I say I'm going to do something, I make sure that I do it, whether I am saying something to myself. So that's like a goal or something that I want to accomplish, or I'm saying something to someone else. I'll write that down and make sure I do it. I'm very, very, very specific and very almost neurotic about this to the point where if I tell someone I'm going to do something, first of all, I'm careful about that because I don't think you should say yes to too many things. I think you should say no to more things on aggregate. But when I say yes to, to something, I make sure I write it down and I follow through with it, whether it be I'm going to pray for you and your family during this time, whether it be I'll email you or text you to meet up you know, all that kind of stuff that we kind of say in passing, I make sure to follow up on that. And I make sure that I very purposefully don't let those interactions just be empty words, because I think that that is how you build respect with in yourself and with others. There's something that David Allen wrote in his book, Getting Things Done. And the thing I loved about that book is it's about productivity, but it's really about how productivity is tied to our spiritual and emotional health and spiritual nature as well. And I actually interviewed David on the podcast, episode 105. If you want to go back and find that, it was a really fun episode. But what he wrote in his book is, when people with whom you interact notice that without fail, you receive, process, and organize in an airtight manner, the exchanges and agreements they have with you, they begin to trust you in a unique way. So this just goes to speak to being that person that always follows through that someone knows if you say something, if you say you're going to do something that you that you're going to do it, that makes you a very special person because there's not a lot of people that are like that in the world. Um, so just keep that in mind. And that's a good way, I think, to build your spiritual grounding and build confidence within yourself. Another thing I wanted to mention here, there's two more things I'll mention is 
careful when you say that you should do something. So when someone says that they should eat healthier, they should work out more, I always get very kind of hesitant and maybe worried for them because I know how dangerous that language can be. If you say you should do something and you're actively working on fixing or changing it, then that's okay. But too often we say we should do something and then we do nothing about it, which causes us to feel bad about ourselves. It causes us cognitive dis dissonance. So I'm very careful to say that I should do this or I should do that because I want to feel good about myself and who I am and what I'm doing. And I want to be kind to myself. And I just don't think that that's a good way to go about things, even though it's so popular in the culture that most of us are caught up in. So that's going to kind of make you different than other people, but I think it's a good way to be different. Last thing here, I talked a little bit about not giving into your negative thoughts in the first point, but to me, it's always important to look at the glasses half full, be an eternal optimist where you're always thinking the best of things. You're always looking for the best situation. You're always putting the positive spin on things. To me, there's just no other way to be. You know, every situation you can look on negatively or positively, even situations that seem bad on the surface, you can find something positive from those things. Any book you read um, about any successful person will always talk a lot about how many failures they had leading up to their great success. So don't see failure as this inherently negative thing that's going to tear you down. Look at it more as information that you can use to be more successful in the future and to overcome difficulties in the future. A lot of people may find scrutiny with the word or the phrase law of attraction, but I really like using and talking about the law of attraction because to me, the more you think about and the more you want to manifest positive things, the more you seek them out and you look for them, you act on them. So obviously the law of attraction doesn't just mean you think things into existence and they just happen. But for me, the law of attraction means you think things into existence and you write down or, you know, read about things every day that you're looking for. And eventually like the yellow car analogy that I've talked about before, where if your friend gets a yellow car and you go, oh, that's weird. No one has yellow cars. And you'll start seeing them all over town. So just like that, the more you try to manifest something positive with the law of attraction, and if you're focused every day on action and going out and doing the things that are going to move you closer to that goal, the easier it is going to be to seek out positive sources that you're looking for. To make a concrete example of this, um, there's been times in my life when I've been focused on trying to make more money. And while I did try to kind of think about and write about how the law of attraction could help me in attaining more money, what happened in the end was I was out there looking for opportunities and I eventually found some because that was at the front of mind. So whatever you look for, you find, whatever you seek, you find. If you're always thinking about and speaking about uh, positive things, you're going to find positivity and you're going to find positive opportunities. And the opposite is also true. If you're always negative and saying how shitty the world is and how fucked up things are, then you're only going to find that in return. So keep that in mind too, in being spiritually grounded. Last point here is just to love yourself. And to me, loving yourself, and I've talked about this before a lot on the podcast and on my Instagram page, but loving yourself comes down to discipline. I always say discipline equals freedom. So the more discipline you have in your life, the stricter you are with yourself, the more freedom you have to think creatively and work creatively and do what you want to do because you've disciplined yourself in the areas that you need to discipline yourself in. So you know that you have covered your bases, so to speak. I think that we all need a specific amount of struggle. And if we don't put that struggle into our lives, we're going to manifest it in other areas. So I think that one of the best things about having a positive, really difficult and intense training schedule 
and also an intellectual and learning schedule where you're reading books or you're diving into some sort of education, uh, doing those two things in tandem creates so much tension and struggle in your life, but it's a good tension. It's a good struggle. It's what we call a eustress versus a stress. And having like that, having, excuse me, something like that in your life, I think is going to prevent you from having other problems like fights with your family, fights with your girlfriend, financial troubles, because the human body and the human being needs a certain amount of struggle just to feel like it's at a homeostatic level. So if you don't manifest that, it's going to manifest in some other way that you don't want. Loving yourself, I think, comes down to, like I said, being disciplined, being regimented. So for me, this means goal setting. I've talked about goal setting before on the podcast, but I'll revisit it real quick. Whenever I set goals, I usually do this the first of the year. But of course, we know any time is a good time to set a new goal. So you want to make sure that you have some sort of deadline. You follow the Goldilocks rule of goal setting, which is we know Goldilocks, she ate the porridge that was too hot, too cold, and just right. So you want to follow the Goldilocks rule of goal setting where your goals are just right, just hard enough to stretch you. They're not so hard that they're way too hard and you feel like you can never reach them, but they're not so easy that you reach them, you know, tomorrow or a week from now, and then you don't know what to do. A good comparison that I think I've read in a book is, you know, if you're playing tennis, if you went and played against Roger Federer and you were just trying to get better at tennis, then that would be no good because he's way too good. He's going to beat you way too bad, but you also don't want to go and play against a toddler because they're going to be way too bad and it's not going to be any competition at all. You want to play tennis against someone who's about your skill level so you can both grow and improve together. And I think that's another small uh, comparison to just how important it can be to have a partner in some of these things that I'm talking about today. With goal setting, I always say that you should be specific about the goal, but flexible on how to get there. So I always talk about Arnold Schwarzenegger's biography, Total Recall, in which he talks about being specific about goals like saving a certain amount of money, like saving $5,000 in a year, uh, getting 12 college credits, stuff like that, um, gaining 50 pounds on his bench press, but he's always flexible on how to get there. So he can make money in different ways. He can get credits from different colleges. He can use different exercise methodologies to add weight to his bench press. But at the end of the year or at the end of whatever deadline he sets for himself, again, deadlines are important. He knows that he will reach that goal somehow. Flexibility and how to get to your goals. Another thing about goal setting is you want to write your goals down and see them every single day. So for me, I have my goals written down in my journal and I repeat them every single day. That's write them down. So I have to think about them. Another good way to do this is just to include your goals up on your bathroom mirror or on your nightstand or whatever, somewhere we're going to see them every single day. And I like to write mine down because it makes me, it forces me to think about my goals and not just gloss over them, which can become easy after a few weeks of having them in a place that you see often. But even if you do have them in a place you can see often, make sure you really do take a minute or two to go through your goals and really read them and really internalize and resonate with those goals. I think that something else that helps me to love myself is to remember to practice gratitude every day. So all that means for me is just writing down three things I'm thankful for in the morning. Often I think about three things I'm thankful for from the previous day, kind of, kind of, because it kind of helps me to remember what sort of things today are going to make for a great day based on what's memorable from yesterday. Um, and so that's it as far as practice objectivity, have some spiritual grounding and love yourself. For me, those are the three tools in the mindset toolkit for transforming your body. Uh, like I've talked about before on the podcast, it's probably been a little while, I suppose, but I, I try to bring it up uh, often is that 
I underwent a physical change in my body, but it was not a dramatic physical change. I'd always been in decent shape, but I really went from being okay in fitness in decent shape to really excelling. And that was because of switching my understanding in how things worked and understanding how to progress the body and understanding how to manage calories and protein intake and stuff like that, that stuff that's really important that I, that I never had a full grasp on before. And that really changed the way that I look at everything. It helped me start this business. It helped me to become more outgoing, uh, interpersonally. It helped me to break out of unhelpful habits and unhelpful comfort zones and stuff like that. I just know that changing yourself physically, no matter how subtle or dramatic the change is, can help you to think better in all ways of life and help you to be physically, mentally, and emotionally better, be healthier spiritually. And so that's why I often try to tie things in so frequently to, you know, I talk about that mental and emotional side of things because I don't think it's divorced from your physical body. Everything works together in tandem. And so just to leave you with three more things that I try to think about often, three little maxims that I have here, prioritize action over motivation. You're not always going to be motivated to work out or to go do whatever it takes to work on your goals. But more often than not, if you just get into action and you just start working hard at whatever it is you know you need to do. So the best example is like a tough workout. If you just get in there and start grinding on that workout, eventually you're going to feel like, oh, I'm in the groove of things now. I feel good. I don't know why I ever didn't want to come and work out. Um, that can be true with anything. It can be true with work. It can be true with your learning endeavors and anything. Another one is prioritize small wins over giant leaps. So I often talk about how if you improve 1% per day over a year, you'll be 37 times better by the end of that year. So often we want to make huge leaps and we want to see huge improvements, but that's another reason why going back to taking progress pictures every month, progress, uh, progress doesn't really happen over the course of a month, but when you look over the course of six months to a year, that's when tons of progress is made. And it's just because you honor these small, small wins every single day, you do the 80, 20 of what you know is going to get you to that next level. And then the last one here is just be the hero of your own movie. So this is something that I think is, I first saw in a video from Joe Rogan on YouTube, but I think it attribute, it's attributed to him. But being the hero of your own movie basically just means that whenever you're faced with a difficult situation or task, you can always think, if I was the hero in a movie, what would happen here? What would happen that the hero's life would start to get turned around? So that can help you make the right choices and be the person that you want to be and become the person that you want to become is think in the future about the person you're going to be and what decision would that person make? Or even thinking about someone you idolize or someone you look up to and respect and what decision would they make or what advice would they tell you in taking that advice? Um, but really guys, just be, just be easy on yourself. Know that discipline equals freedom and every small choice you make is getting you closer to the person that you want to be. So I guess really it's just that balance between you have to really struggle and push yourself, but you have to also understand that there's going to be failures and setbacks and those are natural to expect along the way. And your journey is yours. You can't compare yourself to anyone else. And that's a beautiful thing once you really come to terms with it. Hey guys, thank you so much for tuning into the podcast. If you would, please take a minute out of your day to review and rate the podcast as well as subscribe. It would really help me out a lot. And if you're on Instagram, go ahead and follow me on there at jakeparker.fit and screenshot and tag me when you're listening to the show. I'll be sure to share it. And thank you personally on there.